Julius, want a drink? Hi, listeners. How you doing? Welcome back. This is episode 96. We're getting so close to 100, guys and gals and ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do for episode 100. I don't... We have to have a party. We have to pick a, a really good game or something, a party. I don't know, but it's exciting. It's coming around the corner. It'll be another <laughs> two months or so. Oh, I can't believe it takes us that long to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's been five years. That's 20 episodes a year. It's less than one every two weeks. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Not bad. So, so what's been doing over by you? Um, Did you make it through the storms? We made it through the storms. We we were fine over here, though we had a ton of snow. You know, we shut down for a couple of days. For those who aren't informed, over here in, I guess, most of the U.S., I'm not quite sure how far-reaching this was, but there was a, a big snowstorm that shut down a bunch of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and Albert apparently got hit pretty hard. Yeah, we got hit hard. We were on a, it was a Friday. There was no school. I, I worked from home. I couldn't go to work. And we had a lot of snow and ice and wind. And it was pretty bad. Actually, my neighbor lost a, a couple of trees. The trees are in between my house and her house, right in the middle. And, and oh, really? she was there and she said, you know what? I'm going to move my car. I don't want to leave it in the driveway. And she moved her car, and moments later, a tree fell. Not Mr. Car, right? Mr. Car. She had moved it. She had just moved it. <laughs> nice. And then three more fell right next to us, a line of four trees. But yeah, we were... And, and it wasn't a lot of snow. It was maybe maybe six inches, if that. I don't so know. Small. I didn't measure it. But that shuts down our city in Greenville. We're not really equipped for the snow. We don't have snow plows and that sort of thing. And the weather was close enough to freezing that the next day it warmed up and a lot of the ice melted or snow melted and then overnight froze again. So we had ice and the next day we were shut down. So Saturday I I took the kids and we got a sled and we walked over to the Walmart and bought some groceries and sledded the groceries back. It was nice. Come Monday, pretty much everything was melted around here, but the kids still had no school because some areas had ice and they couldn't get to school. So okay. it was a big adventure. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And yeah, you? It was funny by us. It was funny by us because um, I remember the day before the snow was coming, like we were already getting calls from the school um, saying that they were probably be closing in the morning, and I know that court. Um, was closing in advance of the anticipated snowstorm. And then I remember waking up in the morning, I'm like, where's where's the snow? Anybody? Anybody? Oh. Where's the snow? There's like a light sprinkling of snow on the grass and just a little. And yet all the schools were closed. Court was closed. Downtown was closed. I went into work. All the security gates at work were closed. It's like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. There's almost no snow. I talked with my sister, my sister who lives up in Baltimore. Oh, wow. So she was so snowed in that like her whole front door was just covered in snow and she couldn't <laughs> push open the door because the, the door pushes open outside. Oh yeah. And it was just, there was a wall of snow just holding her in from being able to get through it. <laughs> wow. Did she have to go to work? <laughs> She did have to go to work. Oh no way! And you, you were suffering, stuck without being able to go to work that day. <laughs> no, your, I went to work with your pottery. I, I just, I, I went to work. I mean, 
you know, the kids went out and they played in the snow some. I went to work because I understand why should the city be set down, shut down for literally such a light sprinkling? Yeah. And yet it was. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing is they, they don't know and they just have to appear ahead of time. It's the sort of thing where you can't really just say, oh, never mind. Don't don't come in this morning. Because uh, some people will try. And yeah, where we're at, it we is, just don't know. <laughs> it is just absolutely ridiculous. We've had we've had years like that where we close. There's no school, and the next day it was just gorgeous. Lucky kids. Well, but they don't have to make the announcement till the morning when they can, you know, look around and see. Oh, there's no snow. I mean, yeah. by late in the day, by late in the day, already we were getting predictions that there wasn't going to be that much snow, and yet people were still getting scared. I don't. Uh, I just don't know where. We're so going you guys never got much at all. No, oh, wow, nothing. Okay. Almost nothing. Yeah, my kids were disappointed because they want to play in the snow. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, there'll yeah, be more chances. Nothing. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, last year we had a bunch of snow, and they still remember that. They still talk. Oh, wow, about okay. That. Yeah, neat. It's fun. Yep, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> All right, so so let's move on from the snow. Um. Should we jump Maybe into the news? news for us, Albert? I've got a few pieces of news this time, actually. Wow, look at that. What have you got? GMT Games has a game coming out, another game on their P500 called Skies Above the Reich. It's a solitaire World War II game in which you're playing as the German German uh, Air Force defending against the bombing raids from uh, England. What type of game is it? A war game. Hex Encounter? Um, no, it looks like... It it looks different from any other game I've seen. It looks like there's some sort of a grid of spaces, and it's okay. almost point to point movement. I'm not sure. Okay, but but it looked interesting. Looked very different. And again, another solitaire game. They've got a bunch of solitaire friendly games now, which which is nice to see. They do. Maybe they'll even start rivaling up our good friends over at DPG Victory Point Games. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Let's see. First. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> First Martians, Adventures on the Red Planet. Have you heard of that game? Adventures on the Red Planet? Yes. I believe that this is the new um, the new version of Robinson Crusoe that's going to be coming out. That's right. Uh, Adventures on the Cursed Island, so now we've got Adventures on the Red Planet. So this is a game based on that Robinson Crusoe engine in which you're, you're going to Mars and colonizing Mars and trying to survive through, in the planet. Do you know if there's going to be any differences with it? I I don't know what'll be different. I've seen pictures of the map. It, it looks more abstract, um, as opposed to an island. The Bendit's a very abstract island in the game, but um, I do not know what will be different. It will be the same. There isn't that much information out yet. It is expected to be out later this year. I, I assume for Essen. Maybe even a Gen Con. Maybe. Um. Okay, next one is a crowdfunding game, but it's not Kickstarter. I don't know if you've heard about this one. The the Dungeon Crawler. Have you heard of that game? It is a sort of like a collectible card game or a living card game. But it is Dungeon Crawler, the collectible card it is, game? It's not collectible. It used to be collectible. It's called Dungeon Crawler. I covered the game some years ago on the podcast. Okay, Dungeon Crawler is designed by Jay Leg... Le- I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this. Jay Legary... Um, J- Jay is a member of the One Player Guild and an active member, so you see him on there. I'm sure you'll, if you see his avatar, you'll recognize him. Um, and it's a self-published game. The company is called Gifted Vision, the publisher, and so they're they're crowdfunding the game on their own website. And it's not the game itself, but one of the expansions for it. 
And I believe during the crowdfunding you could also get the base game and stuff. Now there's only a, a little while left for it. It ends, I believe, about a week after the show should be going live. So there's not a ton of time, but you should definitely check it out. It is a, it's a fun game. It's When I talked about it, I had also just talked about the Lord of the Rings card game, and I compared the two a little bit. You know, they're similar in that they're fantasy deck building, not deck building, but um, LCG type games where where you build your deck ahead of time. Um, and where's the where's the fundraising? On their website, which so is we'll include. Well, dungeoncrawler.com is the the website I have. I don't include a link because uh, okay. I'll give you a URL to directly to the crowdfunding page. Okay, and it's running until February fourteenth. Fourteenth, okay. So Valentine's it Day. It's running until February 14th. Exactly. Valentine's Day. It's running for The Thorn, which is an all-new 82-card 80 deck with the main villain being a lich named Zulhadar. Yeah, okay. So, and it's got really nice art. This game has really good art. It's well-done art. Um, and it's really fun. Unlike the Lord of the Rings card game, where sometimes you're playing and there's randomness that totally messes up your plan, this game is a doesn't have randomness during the play other than what cards come up um mm-hmm. so there's a lot more strategy and a lot more thinking involved in taking your turns and, and it, it's just really fun i really enjoyed it a lot indeed mm-hmm. so so check that out um i got one more piece of news victory point games is all is having a sale their valentine's day massacre sale they're calling it uh they have a number of games that they're going to stop publishing. Some of those titles that I guess are not selling that well, and a few of them are solitaire friendly. It's going to start on Valentine's Day, and it's going to be 30% off for these titles. Um, there's, I don't know, I think there's maybe about a dozen titles. I'm going to mention the ones that are solo friendly or solitaire titles. Disaster on Kang Chenjunga, which is part of the disaster in the Himalaya series. This is the third one. Um, and Kang Chenjunga is, is the third tallest peak in the world. So that's why that's got the title. Um, no Retreat is a solitaire expansion for the game No Retreat, for, if you have that older edition. Nemo's War expansion for the older edition. The Dawn of the Zeds expansion. Empires in America expansion. The South Shall Rise Again, the game. That's a that's a neat game. It's a Civil War zombie fighting game in which you're playing... It's based on a, a book series. In this game, you're playing... Um, not co- what are the two sides called? Confederate. Asymmetrical. No, the the, the Confederates versus the British. No, the North. The North versus. Oh, the North. Okay. Anyway, so this is this is you're playing the North against the South, and the South has been raising undead. So you're fighting undead soldiers, and it's a little hex encounter game or a hex map, and you have your little soldiers standing up there, little stand up counters running around shooting the zombies. It's a fun little game. It's neat. Now I'm sorry to see that one's going to disappear. But at 30% off, I'd say, you know, pick up a copy. And the final game is one called Why, which is, it appears to be a kid's game, but it is, I think, one through four players. And the question why is, why did the chicken cross the road? And this is a game where, where the chicken's crossing the road. I believe sort of like a Imagine Frogger, the video game from way back in the day. And so that's it. That's my news. Like Crossy Road? Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know that. Let me look up okay. why. Three point games. It's called why. Why the letter? No, why the word. Okay. Why question mark exclamation like as in why did the chicken cross the road? 
I've been exploding too many bombs to not be specific about if you mean the word of the letter. <laughs> so that's it. That's it for my news. Okay. I also have a couple more things going on. First, I'm surprised you mentioned this one. The uh, we're we're starting to talk about the 2016 Secret Soloist Gift Exchange. Um, and the exact timeline has been announced. I'm not sure when they're starting signups, but signups are going to be ending on March 31st. And I think that uh, you were involved in this last year. Also, you did a Secret Soloist. I didn't do it. I did it the first year. I haven't done it again. I should never done it mm-hmm. again. But it, it's fun, you know. You sign up, you say if you want to participate just to deliver, to send a game in your country or worldwide. And then, you know, if you're in a country with a lot of people, it's going to be easier to get somebody in your country. But then once the deadline's reached, names are signed and you're given a target, which you can then go send all sorts of geek mails and taunt and harass and have fun with in a nice way, of course. And then and then send a package of games. Or not, if you don't want to. I mean, I guess, yeah, I've, I've, you don't have to taunt somebody, but that's that's a lot of fun to send uh, annoying emails to people or, and teasing them about what they might be getting and, and watching their reaction. It's worth doing that. And you can do it anonymously. There is an account on BGG. You can log in for the participants and send Geekmail not anonymously as the secret soloist. So just so the full deadlines are, are uh, noticed, the 1st of March is when we're going to start doing registration for it, or when the guild is going to start doing registration for it. And then the 31st of March is when the registration is closed. And then this year they're doing it differently, that by the 15th of April you have to at least send a message. Because apparently a bunch of people are just completely silent. They just do it, they send a gift, and that's it. But at least by the 15th of April you have to at least tell them that you're doing something. And then by the 17th of May, you have to have had them receive the gift. So it takes a couple months, but what, like a month and a half, two months and a half to get the whole thing resolved, but it can be fun. Mm-hmm. It is. It's neat. It's fun to send stuff out and, you know, pick out the games for your target because you can see what they have and what games they like, and, and then you get to shop for somebody else, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, go on. Go ahead. Well, I didn't have anything to say. Another one that I noticed that came to me in the news is, are you familiar with the game Sentinels of the Multiverse? Ah, I love the game, yes. I do also. Um, this is one that I personally played it a, a lot of times in uh, cardboard. I actually really like playing this a lot in digital. Um, I know you've reviewed Sentinels in the Multiverse in the past on the podcast, but I think it was before I came on. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just find keeping track. There's a lot of stuff that's going on when you're playing Sentinels about different people having different things active and different types of damage and different um ways of re- redirecting damage so for me it's a lot to keep track of especially when i'm playing solo and so that's just one of the things that i find it's nice to have the app just to keep track of all of that for me um but anyway regardless of that the Sentinels the multiverse game is coming to an end which i find interesting how they've really modeled it out of a whole story but they're going to be launching Sentinels of the multiverse oblivion or oblivion um, which is an actual narrated or an actual end to the Sentinels of the Multiverse storyline. And it's going to be the last, um, the last expansion that comes out for Sentinels of the Multiverse. Sounds, this, this is a neat thing that they're doing. I like how they're, they're concluding it in such a, an epic way. Very much in tune with the whole comic book theme. And I like everything that they're going to be doing that doing with that 
Uh, interesting to note is that they're actually going to be launching a Kickstarter for it on Tuesday, February 9th with some extra special bonuses. There's going to be an ultimate hero variant pack. So if you've ever wanted some of those um, promo cards of the hero variants, you can get the, all of the cards, everything involved. And you can also get a foil pack. So you can get all of the hero cards in, printed in foil if you want to be very special. Mm-hmm. Or even more special, you can get a collector's case of absolutely everything involved. Yeah, and I think that's like a storage case that, that'll fit everything in it. Because it's, right. it's hard to store the game right now, especially for people that sleeve them and stuff like that. And since this is this is known, this is going to be the last thing that comes out, you know that everything will fit in the box. You have to worry about any more expansions. Ah, <sighs> That's a relief. <laughs> yep. Though, though, I'm sure there's going to be some people who are sad that there's no more coming. There, I'm sure, but... And I, I like their ending it, but from I heard, I read on BGG that apparently they're going to make another game that's going to be compatible with Sentinels. That won't be the same, but you'll be able to use the villains from that game and Sentinels and vice versa. So so the, the storyline will end and, and the game title Sentinels will end, but the game mechanics will go on. And in this I one, and, you know, I, I read this on a post that somebody mentioned offhand. So it's not confirmed, at least not by me. So maybe somebody, maybe a listener knows more, and you could share that with us, and we'll pass it on. But um, it's space bounty hunters looking for for villains in space, I guess. And so you know, maybe uh, one of them comes to Earth, and now the Sentinels are going to fight against them. Well, I know that they already had the same people had a space game out, Galactic's Space mm-hmm. Federation, Galactic Strike Force. Galactic Strike Force, GSF, I know is the abbreviation for Galactic Strike Force. And so they've already released something in space. I'd be surprised if they were trying to move back to that theme. I Yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I read it in a post and it was just one comment on it and nobody else talked about that at all. There's no links provided to where the person read it. So, well, I suppose we will see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. If that comes out, that'll be interesting. The theme sounds neat. I don't know if I want to mix that and, and get it also. So I, I, what I love about Sentinels is that there's so many different heroes and villains and locations. Like every time you play, it's a different game. So Agreed. so adding more would be nice, even if it's not yeah. specifically superheroes. I, I personally like how on the app, they've recently started coming out with these um, comic book covers, these collectible comic book covers. Um, which is silly. Because the, the whole idea is that every week they release a new comic book cover which comes with a villain, a location, and a set of heroes that you control, or Mm. I suppose that you can play online and control with others, but I play it solo almost exclusively. Um, But so it's a pre-setup scenario and I don't often, I'm not, um, I'm not always or often successful actually beating it. I don't spend a lot of time with all of the different heroes, but this is, you know, for me, this is just interesting because I don't have to think, well, who do I want to play as? No, I'll just pick one of these comics and, and just go with the pre-built scenario. I don't even have to think about which ones I'm playing. Just grab and go. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Yeah, when I play, I always have a random scenario or a random uh, generator do it for me. I have an app that does that on the phone. I know pick mm-hmm. my hero and my villains in location. Mm-hmm. And that, that's same always kind of fun. Thing, it's just, yep. Same kind of thing. It's just picked by someone else. And it's sort of thematic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that is neat. Someday I'll check that out, maybe. And then just one other thing that I wanted to mention. Are you familiar with the co-op game, The Big Book of Madness? I've heard of it. I'm interested in it because it's Lovecraftian. Right? It- 
it is well it's not so much lovecraftian as it is magic gone wrong i don't think there's so much lovecraft ah, okay. in there as opposed to just bad magic um that's that's a hard it's a hard fine line to draw because there's a lot of tentacles lying around mm, okay <laughs> so that may be lovecraftian but it's a very cartoony art um, it's an art style that I personally really enjoy. I really like the cartoony art style for it. It's a co-op game and it plays two to five players. And uh, I had a chance to both play it, um, co-op and had a chance to play it solo. And I just want to briefly get out my opinion. I just don't think it works solo. The idea of the game is that you have a bunch of spells and you have a bunch of element cards, which is your deck. So it's sort of like a deck builder, um, game. In, in two forms of decks. So you have your actions, your abilities, your spells, and you need to power those with elements that come out of your deck. And so some of those abilities, things let you draw more cards or destroy cards. Some of those, though, are really interactive with the other players. You can give an extra action to the other players. You can put cards into your support, which is short of, sort of like a shared hand that everyone can access. Mm. Or you can work with other players and you can let them draw up. And as you get more access to better spells, they can draw up more cards or you can take from their support. You can take from their hand and or you can take actions from them or you can give them more actions. And there's a lot of interaction, a lot of um, moving between players, which means that when you're playing a multiplayer, it's interesting because it, it doesn't have a lot of downtime because there's a lot of moving back and forth between players. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing it solo it's very hard to keep that between everyone because there's so much things flying with me sharing a turn with you and sharing hand with you and a shared hand and my own hand and the own and his own hand. And you can't play it solo. There's no solo mode for it. It doesn't start at one to five players under the rules of the game. You would have to play it two to five players and you would have to play it multi-handed and trying to keep track of multiple hands, even when you're flying back and forth, just for me, was very difficult. Mm-hmm. I could see that being so. difficult. You're, you're trying to manage two hands and looking both at the same time and, and swapping cards across the hands. Yeah, that would be... And swapping actions and swapping, also, yeah. because sometimes this person will give this person extra actions and things. Oh, yeah. See, that could be tricky. Yeah, when you play Sentinels, on, uh, for example, you, you generally, even when you're playing solo, you have three heroes or whatever number you have, but you're pretty much able to play them one at a time. And they don't they don't get in each other's ways like that, and that makes it a little easier. So I can't imagine I can't imagine it the other way. Right. So I I took a spin at it. I know I've seen some other people post about it on uh, Solitaire Games on their table, um, who've done it, but I haven't seen anyone really give a lot of exposition on how they did it. So if you did this solo, or even if you have a variant or something for it, I'd definitely be interested to hear on what it is that you guys are doing for Big Book of Bandits. But when I played it, I just I couldn't. It was too much solo. It was a lot of fun multiplayer. I mean, I'm actually a really big fan of the game multiplayer. It was a lot of fun because I like the art. I like the interaction between all the players. I like everything. I like all the timing. It was a lot of fun multiplayer. But for solo, trying to play it multi-handed, oh boy, no, Hmm. it was really hard. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you for the warning. I mean, if anybody has any options, I'd really love to hear them because I really did like it. <laughs> All right, so get back to us. And that's it for the news. I don't have any more. Let's talk about Kickstarter. Yay, okay. Is there anything going on in Kickstarter lately? Quite a few things going on in Kickstarter. I'm going to run through a couple of them. 
Um, one of them is the Vinhos Deluxe Edition. Now, this is not a new game. Vinhos is a game by Vitalis Cerda, and it's all about making wine. And this is an action game where you're playing multiple boards to try and grow your business and moving things around. Uh, you're, many people, I think, are, are familiar with it because the original version of Vinhos has been around for a while, but they redid it. And I really like how they've redone it. They've, they've gotten a lot of the, the art is very crisp and very nice. And I mean, they've added in some really nice custom elements. So for example, there's these, the shaped wood, uh, wine barrels and all the various different player colors and the workers are now uh there's farmers and analogists i think is how you pronounce it um but so there's two different types of shaped meeples and the art has been changed and every i mean it looks really really gorgeous i mean this is this is a euro game that looks really nice yeah the art is really pretty in this and a lot of different things I mean, the, the MSRP on it, I, I think the MSRP has gone up. The MSRP is up to 80 and they're selling it on Kickstarter for 60 and that's before shipping. Um, and this is, this is done by the same people who did the gallerist and they really made it look very pretty. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a giant box also then? I don't know if it's going to be a giant box. Let's see. Do they list the size of the box? Oh yeah, they do here. Dimensions. Fifteen and a half inches by twelve and a half inches by four and a half inches. Nine pounds. Wow. So th- that's pretty big. That's uh, that's probably like the size of um. I would guess Robinson Crusoe. I don't know. I think so. And I think it's not only that they're adding in new art and new things. They've also added in. Um, a number of new streamlined rules. So new type of workers and new action tiles and um, just they've, they've really redone it from scratch to make it flow much nicer. Now I'm not personally, I've not personally actually played a game of Venus before, but I mean, it looks really, <laughs> it looks pretty. <laughs> it does. I mean, I'm also looking through some of the stretch goals that they're doing. They have um, bottle meeples coming out. Instead of having just tokens, you get wine bottle meeples. Oh, neat. And then an actual wine rack to hold the meeples. <laughs> and then extra tiles and extra wineries. But I think, uh, you know, shape meeples to me, is it's an awesome thing to add to the game. <laughs> the meeples look like bottles to go in the they game. Make, you, sure, why not? Yeah, when you're playing the game, when it's not your turn, you always end up playing with those meeples. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially if it comes with a wine rack to hold it. <laughs> that is, and when you're, when you're saying shape meeples for the wine bottles, they aren't like little two-dimensional meeples like you get like a the carcassonne meeples that are flat on the front and the back these are round wine bottles they look like a bottle of wine yeah same with the barrels the barrels are also uh round fully three-dimensional yeah which both are cool to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. wood components i i I personally prefer wood components over over plastic minis yep just my own type of preferences. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I'm going to see if I could find you a game with minis to play and, and see if you end up deciding you like it. I have. I oh. have games with minis to play. I have games with minis to play. I have Tail Feathers. I've, I mean, well, I think Tail Feathers is the only one that I own. Uh-huh. Um, but I've played other games with minis. No, I own some um, Star Trek Attack Wing. Um, but I've played other games with minis as well. Let's see, I've played, I can't even start naming all of them, but I've played a bunch of games with minis. 
It just doesn't add that much to me. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they look nice. They look pretty. But, I mean, it's just, you know, for example, I, I played the new Stronghold, for example, recently. Okay. And the new Stronghold has shaped meeples for all of the commander units, for all of the, the good guy units. I love it. I, <laughs> I think it's great. It doesn't need it doesn't need minis. I like it. Okay. I don't like cubes, but I like shaped <laughs> meeples. I don't know. Yeah. It's just my preferences. Yep. No, I totally get it. Meeples are fun. Definitely. This is a really nice looking game. It really is. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty pretty. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, this one's going to be going for $60, and that's before shipping. And it's going to be ending on let's see, it's gonna be ending on February 24th, and they are blowing through stretch goals. Mm-hmm. They have many, I think they are already they're already f- f- surpassed all of their stretch goals. In fact. Oh wow! Okay, and it's interesting. They say they're shipping only to certain countries. So they're right. the the c- c- list of countries is huge, but they aren't going to go everywhere in the world. USA, Canada, UK, Ireland, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, South America. I mean, it looks like everything, but maybe an EU. By the way, when I mean when I mean that they've re- they've shown all their stretch goals, I mean that they're adding more constantly, but they've already blown through. F- 10 or more Mm-mm. already. So there's more, there's more stretch goals coming. I don't know when it'll end, but there's more stretch goals coming. They're already at 130,000 raised of their original $30,000 ask. Wow. And you could, you could get as add-ons any of the other games, including the gallerist and railways of the world, railways of Europe. So that is Vinhos deluxe edition. Um, moving on to another one, it's actually called Fabulous Beasts. This is an interesting blend, which I actually heard about from some of my tech enthusiast friends before I heard about it from some of my game enthusiast friends. Um, and it's always funny when these two areas meet. And the reason why is because this is a game that is another blend between um, digital and board game space. So this is an app required game so if you recall bad games like XCOM from last year um, this is another one that requires an app and it actually requires some other custom hardware so if you're Jewish this is not Shabbos friendly <laughs> I don't know how many of those out there listening but this is not Shabbos friendly um, but the way this one works is you have a white base and the white base has a reader and a scale inside of it. Although I think I'm maybe spoiling the way it works, but it has a reader and a scale inside of it. And the reader hooks up with Bluetooth to your device, usually a tablet or some such. And the device will instruct you what you need to do is you need to scan and place uh, an artifact. And so there's beasts and there's elements and there's arrows and there's um, cross things. And so you'll scan one of those and you'll place it on top of the, on top of the pedestal. And similar to, to another, other dexterity games, these beasts are all plastic molded components and they're sort of angular. So they have a lot of flat edges. It's not like a real bear. It's a very angular bear. So it has flat edges and flat space all over it. So you can lay it on its side, on its back, upside down, with its feet sticking up. However it is that you want to stack it on there. But you have to stack it on the scale. And then this is a cooperative game. This is a cooperative dexterity game. 
Um, or if you want, you could play it solo. You can play it all by yourself um, because it's just a high score race. And you'll go around and you'll try and place a beast on top of it or you place an element on top of it. And each time everyone will move around and they'll place another element on top of it. As the tower gets higher and higher, as with many other stacking tower games, it gets shakier and shakier because these are not all wood square things. Like there's a whale, which is much bigger than the bear. And there's just a small little flame, which is hard to put on there. And there's some flat things for some extra level space. And as it gets higher and higher, it gets uh, creakier and creakier. And uh, if it ever falls, your the the tablet starts beeping at you, and you have five seconds to get everything back on there and get it level if you want to continue the game. <laughs> if you don't, then that ends your game and your score is set to whatever your score was for however many beasts you could get on there. And so the different types of beasts do different things. There's even some miracle elements. So, for example, there's one like the Miracle of Distraction, that if you put it on there... Every once in a while, it'll give you different challenges in addition to having, putting, to having to put the beasts on there. So, for example, it might have you keep tapping on the on the app, or it might have you um, hold to 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 have to keep holding on the app and put on the beast one handed. And so, there's these different sort of things, or it might be a timer that you have a limited amount of time now to put things on the on the thing. And so it's a dexterity game tying in with this app. And as you grow the app, as you grow it, so all the different beasts will mix together. So if you originally had a bear and you add the fire element, you could get a werebear. And then you might end up with a flying werebear. And you might cross that werebear with a walrus and have a flying skull-toothed bear. I don't know what all sorts of things will come out of it. But these beasts will just continue to get more and more wait for it, fabulous, and <laughs> just sort of grow throughout the app. So you can play it totally solo, or you can play it with other players in a co-op game, and it seems to work just fine either way. <laughs> it looks really neat. And the Kickstarter is a couple little animated GIFs. The people look like they're having a blast playing it. <laughs> they really do. It looks challenging because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at what the, the different sort of elements are on there. Uh, it definitely looks challenging, especially once you get that tower up high enough that it's hard to put things down and have them all fall down. That, that looks neat. That looks really neat. They've got a neat timeline also showing you the uh, their milestones and all this, going all the way back to 2014 when they started prototyping. So it's neat because you can see how, how far they've come and what they've already done and what they've got left. I know my wife's first thought of it is if you see the third animated GIF where the whole tower falls down, mm-hmm. my wife's like, what happens if it breaks your tablet? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think you're supposed to not put it flat on the table yeah. so that that doesn't happen. You know, it, it, it is Bluetooth. You could have it a couple feet away. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but not if you're having to hold the tablet and put That's the thing. True. I don't know what you do. But. Yeah, I imagine you just don't have it be like right next to it flat like they do. <laughs> but I have no idea how heavy those things are either. Those things could be not that heavy. I have no idea. But yeah, you can't really tell from the videos. They never give the weight of them. But I assume it has to be a very closely calibrated scale. They, I mean, they don't explain the technology, but it's pretty clear what's going on, right? Yeah. Scan the bear, place the bear. 
Yeah, because there's NFC tags in the bear, and it looks like there's an NFC reader that's uh, grabbing it. Yep. Keeps you from cheating. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, because I assume each of the different things is, is a different weight, and so it can tell that once you scan a bear, you have to put exactly the bear back on. Mm-hmm. So that that's where I assume that comes from. Yeah. <coughs> it's the same technology in your checkout line. Well, very neat. I hope to see more about this game. So this is not inexpensive. It's actually $84, and it's going to be going until February 25th. But, you know, it's it's a digital it's a digital game with a whole digital element and hardware to it. So I guess you'd expect it to be a bit more expensive. Yeah. Yeah, the, just the machine alone, I'm sure, adds to the cost a lot. Right. But if you just want the beast, you could buy that alone. Why would you want to do that? Decorations? Stacking them without the without the base? Well, I think that the, the beasts element that you're talking about is just the beasts without the other artifacts, without the um, elements, without the platforms. Yeah. So. This is just six beast artifacts. Yeah, I'm not really sure why you would want to do that, but I guess if you think they look pretty. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe if you play... I, I'm not sure what would happen if you try playing the game with two sets of beasts either. You know, try put two bears on there. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Maybe you break it. I have no idea. Hopefully they're thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a simple software update, fortunately. Yeah, that's the nice thing about it is that since it's an app, you can just bring it out as much as you like. Yep. All right. That is Fabulous Beasts. Uh, next one I want to mention briefly, something I thought Albert would be interested in. It's called Shadow Agents. Shadow Agents? Yes, because I think that you've picked up some of these by the by some of the other ones by this designer. And this is another um, mini game, very a micro game, in fact. It's only $6. Oh, including I know who you're talking about then. <laughs> yes. There have been a couple of these that have come out that I think you've been a fan of. Have you not? Yes, I, I got one of them. I did, and it was it's a neat little game. I haven't played it yet, but I was looking at it today. Yeah, Carrier Commander, I think, is the one that, that recently shipped out. Uh, Am I correct? Yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember. That's not the right, one I got. And then Star Patrol, is, Star Patrol is out yet or not out yet? I think that should be out by now. Okay, so but he's he's got a couple of these out already. And this is another teeny tiny little game. Um, called Secret Agent. Now then, this one is designed for two players. So this one, one player plays the secret agent and one player plays the villain. And the goal of the villain is to put down security measures around the rooms to prevent the secret agent from being able to infiltrate. And so you have cameras, traps, guard dogs, and sentry guns. And there is a one-player mode. But I wanted to warn people he specifically says that this is not designed for solo. Um, it he he's he's saying I it, I mean it almost reads like he's not recommending it for solo. The game has a solid. I'm I'm quoting the page. The game has a solitaire option for the secret agent, but it is designed as a two player experience. You'll be most satisfied with it while playing against a human component, if only because both the secret agent and villain are given to boasting, which loses its panache when done in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I boast in the mirror all the time, and you know, it doesn't work so well. Doesn't work so well. <laughs> no. 
practicing your James Bond line. That's right. And yeah, it just doesn't doesn't work. But it but it certainly seems <laughs> like this is this is a slight departure from his previous ones, where I don't think he ever had any caveat about how solo play works. But it looks like here he's not really recommending it for solo play. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But it's six dollars. Give it a try. Eh, I don't know about that. You know, the price has doubled since his first one. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but that's not necessarily something that I would say, yeah, definitely go try. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> no need. And when does this end? March 1st. All right. And the last one that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about only very briefly here, is called Cthulhu, a deck building game. And this is a cooperative deck building game designed for one to six players set in the Cthulhu uh, lore. And the idea of this one is that you are going to be having one different type of character who has different abilities and some such with sanity and health. And you'll be able to use Moxie. And Moxie is the one resource in the game. And you'll be able to get Moxie to either buy items with that Moxie, which can potentially get more Moxie, or use that moxie to fight the bad guys. And the goal of the game is to fight and defeat the bad guys. Um, the reason why this was particularly interesting to me is this one is actually a local designer group here in Memphis, Tennessee that made these games. So I'm actually going to be uh, reviewing them. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing them, excuse me, and going to be presenting a little demo of the game and what I thought of it. And we'll be cutting to that in just a minute. Neat. I look forward to hearing it. All right, I'm here with the creators and designers of a new game over on Kickstarter, Cthulhu the Deck Builder. I have the Cthulhu a deck building game. Cthulhu a deck building game right here. I'm trying to get all of the uh, keywords in there in the yeah. title. <laughs> and I'm here with Phil and... Samantha. Samantha. And both of you are uh, both locals to Memphis, correct? Well, we, we live here now. We've lived here for the last three years. However, I came from Shreveport, Louisiana originally, and she came from uh, South Carolina. Very cool. I mean, it's nice for me to have Memphis local game designers also. I know that we do have a pretty vibrant community over here in Memphis, of game players and people interested in the hobby, but it's nice to see something coming out of Memphis like this, at least for me personally. Well, it's nice for me to make it. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about this game. Well, it's a it's a cooperative uh, deck builder. Uh, obviously, since this is about one player, so uh, you can play it by yourself or up to as many friends as a, a box that allow. Um, it's uh, obviously based off the Cthulhu mythos. Uh, the, each player will play an investigator. Right now, we have one of uh, ten. Um, however, with our current already kickstart, uh, kickstarted back rewards, we have six more that will be coming based off of that. And if assuming we get more stretch goals, we get a couple more as well. And uh, in total, there's about uh, five hundred cards. There's uh, ten different elder gods, ten different minions. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers on the library, but I know there's 174 cards in it of things that you can do and get a hold of to to play against or play with. 
Uh, and then there's the, the mythos, which is what the Elder God will do back to you. Uh, and I believe there is 97 cards in that. Okay. Why don't I get this over to you, Samantha, for a sec. Mm -hmm. Would you tell me the basic uh, turn of the game? What do you get to do on your turn? Yes. It starts off with you drawing your hand. You would draw five cards from your personal library deck. Then you, in any order you'd like to go in, you decide which cards you'd like to, to buy from the library, the Miskatonic University. And the way you decide what you buy is the moxie that you get from the cards in your hand. What's moxie? Moxie is either your, basically the points you have to spend to either buy or attack. If you spend all of your moxie buying stuff, you will have nothing left to fight the Elder Gods with. That's so, not necessarily true. You can buy cards which will give you moxie. However, there is a rule that you cannot... If you buy a card that, that gives you with moxie and it gives you, say, two moxie back, you can't then use that to buy a card. However, you can, it does go immediately into your hand, which in turn you can play against the Elder Gods during the combat phase. Yes. Once you are finished with researching, then you would immediately fill up the Miskatonic University to a maximum of five. Then you would go, it would be combat time. Before, right before combat, before you refill the library, you would also play any cards that you had in preparation for combat. Any body armor, any preparation, any if you wanted to use first aid kit in preparation, that's when you would you would use that. After that, you would go immediately into combat, which you would activate your elder gods. If it's the first turn, you would then reveal which elder gods you are fighting against. And then each Elder God has a specific thing that they do. You would activate that ability, which it's either, it all, usually always spawns a minion. Every minion has an Elder God that spawns it. So every round you will be spawning something. And then after the Elder God goes, then it's the Mythos deck, which is basically an extra power that the Elder Gods have. Mythos can either summon a minion directly or, or affect your health or sanity. Or do some other crazy things such as destroy locations. Or destroy your library. Or destroy your library. or and, Destroy some key cards right. that you're relying on. Yeah, destroy some yeah. key cards that you're relying it, on. It'll, the game. it'll start destroying your hand. It'll limit the library to three instead of five. So it, it does horrible things. And also uh, another point about the Elder Gods. The Elder Gods don't just spawn things. The Elder Gods, uh, such as Cthulhu, if you attack him, uh, he will attack you back uh, immediately as a one-for-one -one damage. Or Cthulhu, who attacks your sanity for each card played. Yeah, every time you play a card, you get one uh, sanity damage. All right. So essentially, there's two real phases to the game. First, there's the buying phase, and then there's the combat phase, where they Correct. attack you and yes. you attack them. And then you just keep doing that for each player mm. until mm -hmm. someone is defeated. Right. right. And, and the goal of the game is to kill them. Do you have to survive to win, or is the whole idea just to get them gone? The whole idea is just to, just get, to them get them gone. gone. Okay, you so. can go out in a blaze of glory if you so wish. <laughs> I've, I've done it a couple times. All right. Sounds like a, definitely a good way to end a Cthulhu game. There is there is a card in there called Last Stand. Yes. It, it, it will kill just about every single investigator that plays it. There is one or two who may survive if they've taken no kind of damage. 
if they've lucked up that much. But most investigators will not survive the last stand. And it will, it is a... It's a game-ending it, card. It's a game-ending card. If played in the right circumstances. What's the last stand do? The last stand will give you three times moxie played on all cards for all investigators. But it deals you 20 sanity damage. <laughs> to everyone? To, uh, no, to just the person, the person plays who plays it. it. Ah, I see. So you're saying that person would, yes, would die that, and not everyone yeah. else would die. It would be a sacrificing card. And so what's the player count on this one? It's technically you can play with as many players as you want. But the, a box uh, set. But the box set supports one to six players. Fix them. Um, simply because of manufacturing cost, and uh, that's primarily it. And also, I assume there's probably a bunch of downtime when you're playing with more players. Actually, no. Believe it or not, no. Because it's a cooperative mm -hmm. game, there's a lot of strategy, and input from other players is encouraged. Like, if you say, wait, wait, don't play that card yet. I've, I can do something with it later. You know, it's... Or I can play this to make it better. Or don't take that card because my, <laughs> my ability will make it better, you know? Or why don't you use those two cards together and then I can use my two cards and it will combine the effect. Are there any cards that let me take actions out of turn if you're playing with more players? Well, or, uh, uh, that's as far the thing. As, there is no turn order. Yeah. There is no turn order specifically. Like, say, say we were in the buying phase and playing with six players. You can go in whatever order you want to buy things. Now, granted, you can only buy things once, but... Uh, but you can go first, then him and me, and the next time he can go first, then me, then you, and so it's... But everyone needs to have a turn, so he can't right. go three times, no. then no. you once, then no. him three times, right. then you no, once. No. Okay. It's one, one... You can only go once per round, but... You can in op any particular at each order. round, you can optimize it uh, as a group to be... You know, the best optimal optimal scenario. Okay. How long have you guys been designing this for? A little oh, over wow. a year. A little over a year? A little over a year. What gave you the idea to start designing it? I'll let her tell that story. I don't know what prompted it. But all I know is in the middle of the night, I cannot recall the, the time. He it's about says, 3 a.m. It was really early in the morning. He's like, wake up, wake up. I've got this idea. I sort of listen, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I'll go back to sleep. I wake up the next, that you know, that morning, and he's like, Samantha, remember that game I told you about? Not really, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, let me tell you about it. I, I, it's great. It's going to be awesome. And he, he proceeds. He's got, like, like a, a two- or three-page document on Google Docs where he's already got the rules, and he's got a basic outline. He's like, I was like, honey, this is actually great. You know, keep working on it. And that's how it started. And he pulled his best friend in, and it goes from there. And mm -hmm. He pulled other best friend yeah, in. Yeah, he pulled his best other his best friend from Sharif. Oh, no, he's in Louisiana, New Orleans uh, now, yeah, right? he's in New Orleans now, yeah. He's in, from New Orleans, and they talk over over Skype, and and they've been working on it ever since. Mm -hmm. So how many people have been designing this, have been uh, involved in this project? Uh Five, six, kind of the artist. Six, including the artist. Who, speaking of the art on these cards, I mean, I've, I hadn't been expecting much from seeing the uh, Kickstarter page, but honestly, you guys gave me the opportunity to look at these cards in person. What do you call this design style? I really do like the look of the cards a lot, especially in terms of keeping with the theme. We had asked him to keep it in a 20 style. Mm. That whatever he, we gave him liberty to create whatever he wanted within, you know, we gave him 
we wanted a fire vampire. And he created us a fire vampire. And just to describe the card art on the fire vampire, it looks like a woman literally built out of fire with a vivid red hue on a dark card with a burning rose. Yeah, we said, we, we give you liberty to use your own artistic style, but let's keep it in a 20s feel to keep it in the Cthulhu mythos world. Mm. I tried to, I, whenever I try to work with an artist, I, because I've actually come up with a couple other projects since this, uh, I, I like to, to work with them. I want them to feel involved in the creative process, not just hear somebody do something, and to, to really be, to feel as a contributor and uh, be a part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that the, the card art really brings home the theme, especially, I assume you guys made the decision to put it all on the black we background. We did. Yes. We went for a minimalistic uh, kind of uh, We played uh, expression around with all or, different um, colors. Yeah. And the black really made, made everything pop. I, I definitely like I definitely like how uh, how all the art design came out of the game. And and because Cthulhu is such a dark has such a dark feel to the game itself, we decided to take that into our card game and keep everything with a dark feel, a dark, mysterious feel to it. So what do you guys think makes this unique? And I mean there's a lot of deck builder games out there. You know, starting from Star Realms, DC Deck Builder, Friday. There's quite a large number of them. What makes your game unique? Well, one thing is it's co-op. And I know there are a few co-op deck builders. However, when I made this, I didn't know of any other ones. Since then, I've learned of a couple others. Or at least one other. Let me put that. <coughs> and I designed this in mind. Because at the time, it's funny you mentioned DC Deck Builder. Because that was a game I was playing at the time. And I used... The, the deck building and, and they have power, but I, I pretty called it Moxie, uh, that mechanic. And I was also playing Sentinels of the Multiverse. And I tried to combine the, the self-playing aspect of, uh, of the bad guys uh, or of uh, the elder gods and the, uh, the people playing different things and doing things cooperatively uh, in that regard at the same time. As far as what makes it unique, I think the, as far as Cthulhu, the art as goes, it, it's easily the best. And I, I'm granted, I'm jaded because I made it, but I think that the game is a lot of fun. I was going to say, it's also unique in that we encourage feedback from other players. A lot of, a lot of games, you keep your cards to yourself. In this one, we encourage you share, you know, allowing them to see what you, what you have in your hand and input. A lot of the, the investigators are, they, how do you say it, they, they enhance other investigators' abilities. Mm. And there's a lot of also interaction between the investigator abilities and the things that they do. I think possibly that's also added to by the fact that you only have one sort of currency. There's many other games that have more than one currency. Even we mentioned now DC Deck Builder, mm. which has both your buying power and your attack power as two forms of currency in the mm-hmm. game. So you can either be very strong in buying or very strong in attacking on a particular hand. But with yours, the moxie is both your attack power and your buying power. So you have to balance that going in and saying, no, do I want to spend a lot? And a grand spending may get you some, some moxie that you can use. Like I noticed you have this card out here called the, the Fires of Asnoth. Uh, I mean that's that's a great card. I mean it costs eight moxie, but it, but it gives you ten moxie. However, you also lose ten sanity. But um, it, it, you have to you have to you have to balance it out between your 
your buying and, and your damage. And I'll note that also there's what I would call most wound cards, just because I'm a little more familiar with it, but there's these stagger cards that can come in your deck. Your deck starts with what? Three. Three stagger cards and seven What are sleuth cards? Sleuth cards are the ones that give you, uh, whoops, sorry, uh, a, a single moxie. Um, now, depending on which investigator you play, sometimes the, the stagger, stagger cards, cards can be good. They come, they, uh, they, they for example, the detective can get a uh, plus one on stagger cards played in combat, or really any card, plus one on any card played in combat, uh, which would include stagger cards. You say you're playing a stagger, and we call it the drunken detective. He staggers around hitting and, people. And, and punching people, because I, I remember there was a game session one time where the guy had the getaway car and staggers, and that's all he would play is getaway car and stagger. So he would ram a car into something and then stagger into it and hit the elder god and uh, draw another card and stagger into it. And it was just kind of funny. Is there a way to get more stagger cards over the course no. of the game? No. It's always three. It's always three. So if you can get rid of those from your hand, theoretically you're just going to have a good deck for the rest of the game. Theoretically. Yeah. Theoretically. How easy is it to get rid of stuff from your hand? There's only the a back. few cards, uh, library cards, uh, or mythos cards. There are mythos cards right. that get rid of cards. Yeah. The only the only library card that gets rid of, I believe, is lobotomy. There is an elder god, uh, Azathoth, who will destroy a random card in your deck each round. Which, if you get to zero cards, yeah, if in you get your to zero cards, obviously you can't deck, do anything. You're done. You're out of the game. It, it it'll basically kill you. So with, that's one of the Elder Gods? Yes. One of the Elder Gods, Azathoth. Just going to take a look at that one. At the beginning of each combat, Azathoth destroys a random card from each investigator's hand. So, But otherwise, that's not going to be quite so relevant because nobody else really just destroys cards from your hand. Right. right. But there are some Mythos, there are mythos cards, cards that, that do it. But none that are going to be doing with such frequency as that right. one else. No, 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 nothing. That I think there's four. There, there's a couple. Yeah. I don't remember the exact number. But I mean, even also looking at that Elder God, I find it strange that some of the Elder Gods have a health of 30, but he has a health of 60. That's because he is the father of all the Elder Gods. And he's, he's the big daddy, technically even bigger than Cthulhu. Clearly, you know more about the mythos than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what inspired you to choose this theme? Because you're very into the... It, it did. I did. I, I've always enjoyed H.P. Lovecraft's work. Um, he had a very interesting way of looking at things back in the 1920s. I mean, this is the man who inspired Stephen King and, and many of the modern and Wes Craven and modern horror day writers that, are, that we're all familiar with. I mean, this was kind of the first guy. So I just now mentioned that this only has a health of 60. And it looks like many of the things have different types of health, like minions range mm -hmm. on the lower side, four to nine, I'd guess. And the Elder Gods normally are higher up in the double digits. It looks like you made a decision to use cards with trackers to track health. Tell me mm -hmm. about that. Well, uh, since uh, to give the game some variability and flavor, we wanted to give different numbers to things, obviously. But at the same time, that can be a little bit of a pain to keep track of. So we, we start when we first start created the game. We started writing it down on paper, thinking that would be the best way to keep track of it. We ran out of paper. Yeah, that quickly got out of hand. So we were like, we we tried to condense it where it was less math and less writing things down. And through a system of we thought keeping counters that got out of hand. 
then we like the best way to do it would be to have it on a card type. What was it? Um, I think it was the Walking Dead game Brad has. Zombie side. Yeah, zombie side. They have they keep um, track of their health that way, and it was a really good idea. And it it kept things compact, so you're not having miles of paper to keep track of what's going on because health and sanity change so quickly in this game that <laughs> you'd be adding subtracting too too much to enjoy the game. So this is a way to keep it. Neater and cleaner. Yes. Mm. Sure. Uh, how long have you guys been playing games for? Oh, wow. Me, personally, for as long as I can remember. <laughs> I, I introduced Three her years. to when we got married. Good job. <laughs> We've been married four years, baby. Yes, but I've only been playing three years. So. Oh, okay. Uh, well, someone's lying, then. <laughs> um, I, first, I, I got really big into gaming when we moved here to Memphis three years ago. Okay. I'm glad Memphis had a good effect on you. Yes. Yeah, Shreveport does it. It used to have a really good role-playing game community, not so much a board game community at all, but uh, Memphis, is uh, it got poor in the, in the last couple of years we lived there, and it's increased quite a bit uh, here, obviously, in retrospect. And you've already mentioned some games that you really drew inspiration for this DC deck builder. And Sentinels of the Multiverse. And Sentinels of the Multiverse being one of them. But this doesn't have, like Sentinels, the idea of a specific deck for each no. Elder God. No. It just has the idea that you're helping out with everyone. Mm. Were there any other games that you drew inspiration from for these? Honestly, not really. Those were really just the, the two at the time that I was playing. I was playing a decent amount of both of them, and I tried to kind of combine the both in my head and throw in my own flair, obviously. And, and this is what I came up with. Mm-hmm. And you've been playing this a lot with the local groups over the course. I of have. Uh, we we took it to, to ShadowCon, and uh, we had a at least fifty people play it over over the course of two days. And we even had times where people were waiting in line to play it, which just blew me out of the water. Um, we've I've uh, also done a lot of games on Tabletop Simulator. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So computer platform. Uh, just let random people come in, and I'll play it with them. And overall, I've uh, the, the thing that's uh, that I don't say shocked me, but surprised me a little is that people want to play it multiple times, and and that tells me that hey, they actually like it. They're not just <laughs> giving me lip service. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've I've been really really happy with the way this has all turned out. Are you playing any games on tabletop simulator somewhere else like that with backers? Uh, yes, there there is an option uh, to do that on the Kickstarter to to uh, play with us uh, at a certain level. Um, Simply because we, the reason we limited it that is because of, of time. Obviously, if I opened it up to everybody, which I would love to actually, but there's a, I have a day job too, <laughs> so I mean, there's only so much time of the day for me to, to be able to do stuff. So you guys developed this just to yourselves. You weren't mm-hmm. relying on any other companies or anything. No, like no, that. no, no, not at all. Can you tell me about some of the challenges that were involved in doing that? Uh, let's see here. Uh, art was a big challenge at first because I was saying because I, I have no artistic deal, abilities, and uh, neither did, did Brad or Wes um, or Samantha, I suppose, or, or Samantha either. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just I just can't, can't discount her from the team. I'm I'm grouped in with him. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, at least no artistic ability like this. And so, of all the places we found an artist, Craigslist. Uh, I know that sounds bizarre. But uh, my friend Brad had the idea of, uh, let's put an ad on Craigslist. I'm like, okay, I don't think we'll find anything, but 
lo and behold, we, we, we met Graham, who has been great, and uh, as, as all this lovely art that you see in front of you. And uh, we met him on Craigslist, and we worked out a rate, and we worked together and uh, for about a year now, or not quite a year, about nine months now, I guess. Uh, and uh, this is what we have. He was wonderful to work with. He took our suggestions to heart and put his own flavor into it. There's only been one or two times that we've had to say, no, that didn't quite mesh mm. or something's not quite right mm. with that. And he was he was okay to change it. You know, he had no problems with it. Yeah, and some of the other challenges. Let's see here. Balance. Yeah, balance. Yeah, that's, that's what a good that, that was a huge one. So originally... We were only doing it no matter how many people were playing it, one elder god at a time. And we found that to be too easy. Too easy. So, and to, instead of just increasing the elder god's toughness, I was like, I, I want to add more. My, my big thing is variety and content. I, I want the game to be different every time. And so that way you could play against you know one or two or even three elder gods at a time and their combination of abilities. Sometimes it's not that bad. Sometimes it's really devastating. Uh, it's all luck of the draw. Um, and there are, and just, you know, trying to, I mean, I have no real experience designing games other than, you know, than playing them. And now, granted, I've played a lot of games. And it's uh, a good I, first step. Yeah. And I've, uh, I, have, I, have, I have a couple different degrees in, in computer science, which has to deal with logic and things like that. So I tried to, to combine those two skills that I have, playing and math stuff, and tried to come up with, uh, with a game. And I think for uh, my first time out the gate, I, I, I've done very well. You think you'd be trying to do this again? Absolutely. I already have. Uh, he's got about four or on, five on, on. Um, games that he's got in his Yeah, head. I have four other games in various stages of development. Well, hopefully you'll see success from this one. I hope so, too. We're doing pretty good on Kickstarter so far, three days in. Three days in, and what are you at? Uh, last time I looked, 10,625, and our goal is... 19.2. Why 19.2? Because that is the exact cost of manufacturing. <laughs> uh, are you not including shipping or any other costs? Oh, no, sh like ship, shipping shipping's included in that as well. Uh, it, but it's, it was a cost of manufacturing uh, plus shipping. None of the art costs, none of our time costs have, have gone into that. Uh, I mean... To me personally, this is a labor of love, and I just want to get the game out to people. So that's that's why I set that's why we set the goal at that level. And when we, uh, I will happily eat the art costs and uh, all the other prototype costs and all the other little things that come up here and there. Uh, I, I just want people to have to have the game and have fun. That's that's really all. There's nothing like that feeling of seeing the game and actually holding and being like, I made this, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, it's it's great. It's great. It's a great thing to be looking forward to, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. And how much does it cost to get the game on Kickstarter? Uh, well, all the early bird, uh, early burger, early uh, bird pledges are gone. That was 45. However, the regular price is only 50 right now. The MSRP is going to be 59.99. However, but for on Kickstarter, we're, we're giving away for 50. And that's because you guys have a lot of cards in this game, right? Right. That is because we have like 500 cards. That is not cheap to produce. Five hundred cards, not including the stuff that you get from stretch goals and backer levels. Yeah, one of the interesting things we've uh, th th this is a, a bit of a gamble, but it's working out well so far. Is a lot of our, our higher level, one hundred and fifty and to to a thousand dollars, 
there's 250 levels, one that lets you, I will work with you to, and, and our artist will do it however you want to design a library card uh, to be in the game or a, a mythos card. Um, the, the thing that's really shocked me is we initially had five $400 level uh, to get your likeness and design your own investigator type thing, of course, with our approval and input to make sure it's, uh, it's somewhat balanced. And all five of them have sold out in the first three days. And that just shocked me. So They we, sold out so quickly that we're actually increasing the amount of investigator levels. Yeah, we, we added another five for 450 to make sure that the, those other people weren't slighted at all because we didn't want to offend them in the slightest. And sure. one person's already bought one of those today. And it was and, just put up. Yeah, and we just put it up early today, and somebody got this afternoon, and I was just, wow. And these are people you knew already? or just No, people no these are random, random people. people. We're talking about adding a, uh, a designer on Elder God wing. Uh, that, but the uh, designer on Elder God, you really have to have three cards for that instead of one. Because you need, obviously, the Elder God card in the art, the card, the minion that's associated with the Elder God, and a card to spawn it. Um, okay. And uh, The reason we do it is because every Elder God spawns something. That's not true, actually. Which, no. which Elder God does not? As a thought. Oh. Sorry, get that one. Well, As a thought does not. Mo- Cthulhu does not. Most. <laughs> let me put it that way. But um, the star spawn is associated with Cthulhu. The star spawn is associated with Cthulhu, but Cthulhu doesn't spawn. Anyways, all gods, ha- all the Elder Gods have an minion associated with it. Let me rephrase that. Associated with it. And each minion has a Mythos card that spawns it. In addition to being spawned by the yes. Elder Gods. Yes. Are there any Mythos cards that can spawn more Elder Gods? Yes, yes. there are. I don't want to encounter those. <laughs> I think there's like three of them. Yes, there are. And you talked earlier about how you wanted to have it be balanced. Uh, how did you manage to achieve that balance? A lot and a lot of playtesting with a lot and a lot. Of yeah, it, was, it started off, it was <laughs> too hard. We were dying way too often mm. almost we were almost every time we played it we were dying then we eased it up and we were never dying and then and it's like how do we trying to find that balance yeah. in between the two because you don't because the game isn't any fun if you never win obviously but it's uh, not fun if, if you, you always, always win, win. our goal was to get it 50 50 win rate trying to keep it in the theme where if you've ever played the Cthulhu role-playing game, your character is bound to die or go insane at some point. Well, 50-50 is not that likely of dying or going insane. It's more often, it's 50-50 on medium. If you go to what we call the Cthulhu mode. Which is uh, at minimum three Elder Gods and three Mythos cards per round. That is more than 50-50. Your, your likelihood of dying is more yeah. like 90-10. <laughs> yeah, so in other words, in that mode, if you've been doing that, you would have had a bunch of uh, fire vampires, well, more fire vampires, and then you would have had buried alive all at one time. I don't think the deck is very well shuffled. Yeah, yeah no, it, it is a very well shuffled. That was a, it's a brand new deck. Yeah, it's a brand new first time it, out. So. But I mean, if you pull out three random those at, at one time, things could get ugly. Vampiric Embrace, Flicker... Then there's Experimenting death. Experimenting with the dead, death, touch of corruption, Atlantis. Oh, more Murgals. Yes. Even more Murgals. And there, there are now, now there are some triggers that in there that says, you know, spawn X amount of, uh, of Murgals. However, if so and so is an elder god, 
spawn this many, which is more. So you're saying that you can just change the difficulty by the amount of Elder Gods that are out and the number of Mythos cards each turn. Yes. yes. Okay. And is it also balanced on the different player counts? It is. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, that's why we had the, the, those see a little green symbol that says IC, which stands for investigator count. So if you have, uh, uh, one player, it, it, it's obviously not, cause for example, Firefly, uh, infestation says spawn IC minus one fire vampires. So if you had six players, you'd spawn five. If you have one player, you'd spawn one because it's always a minimum of one. Okay. So tell me for each of you, what was your favorite card in the game? Oh, that's a hard one. That is a, a tough one. Um, I'd have to say the Necronomicon. I'd have to say Last Stand. What are the nec- What's the Necronomicon? The Necronomicon is you consume as much sanity as you want from a fellow investigator or yourself as you wish, and you get two times the moxie in return. So if you have an investigator that has 40 sanity, you can use 39 of their sanity and double it, and you've, you've just about wiped out any Elder God that comes up. Granted, you have to be careful that some of those Elder Gods does damage back to you if they're attacked, so you have to be careful with that. But And you can defeat the Elder Gods even without defeating all the minions and still win. Yes. yes. The goal is to kill the Elder Gods, not the minions. That's a great way to just end the game with a, in, in an, another way of ending the game in a blaze mm-hmm. of glory. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you also like Last Stand, which we talked about, also as a way of ending the game in a blaze of glory. Right. So apparently both of you like to have these blaze of glory, these epic endings. It's, it's, it's more of, long as I'm not the one sacrificed, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Throw, throw the long, husband under the bus. As long as I survive, we're okay. Throw the husband under the bus. Right, yeah. I like to see the art on life. Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm, I'm digging. We have so many cards, it takes me forever to find one thing. Is that it? Yeah, that's preparation. Are you guys going to find a way of organizing it all in the box? We yes. are. What's your plan? We're, we're designing the box that where it'll have the minions out by each each type. Like, all the Murgles will be together in its own little slot. All the star spawn, all the tarantulas, all the zombies. All in separated out. So you don't have to just dig through an, a giant deck of minions. And there's going to be slots in the box for all those? Yeah. Well, the, the way the box will be done, like, for example, uh, so you'll have your, your cards in the box like this, and then you'll have another card like that's a little taller. Um, oh. So the, 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 the cards will edge. be uh, uh, s- sitting on edge in the... In the box, uh, obviously, in a row, like you see in most boxes. But there'll be one other card that you stack in between them that'll be a little bit higher that will say Minions Library. So it's it's printed a little taller. Right. right. So like a, standard, a card standard size is 2.5 inches by 3.5 inches. So we'd have a card that's 2.5 inches wide, but say uh, a full four inches tall to keep them separated that and way. And it would say like a Murgle, or it would say Tarantula, or it would say Library. It would say min, uh, Mythos, it would say min, um, Elder Gods or Starter Deck. Mm. That way you can keep them separated. That we can put it in and pull it out. Because one of my, my uh, biggest pet peeves is I, uh, we got a game, I won't mention it, uh, full production quality game from the big name label. And it we've took us. We've never played it. We've never played it because it took us two hours to separate out. And we couldn't even get it completely separated out. We could not set up the game because there was nothing distinguishing the cards from each other. Right. You couldn't tell what where each card goes, what each card, what each deck was supposed to be. 
to set it up, and we've we've still got the game, and we have never played it. We've had it what for two years now. I uh, say so year year two. That and we was we were like we were not creating a game that you cannot play. So if you look on the back of each card, it'll actually tell you what it is. Minion card. Oh, that's a minion. A me face card. It'll say library card. It'll say elder god. That way, you're always you'll always know what you're looking at. But the card backs are not very uh, distinguished. All of them right. look like just a book. I think is what the thing. Mm-hmm. That's going that's to exactly what we were going right. with a book. They look similar, but they have a different title. So you'll yeah. always know what's a mythos, what's a library. You'll never get them confused. But I would not want to drop the box and have to organize all five hundred of them. That would be unfortunate. Unfortunate. <laughs> So it definitely sounds like you guys put a lot of work into trying to make sure everything uh, is designed correctly for this one. Try to, yeah. Very cool. And I definitely I definitely appreciate the amount of work that went into it. Looks like a very, very good game in my opinion. And like I said, I'm really happy to be able to support someone local, um, you know, small town designers. This is really almost one of the things that Kickstarter is, is made for mm-hmm. to help out. You know, someone who's got an idea for a game to get out there. And I'm always happy to help out someone local who has a great idea for what's turning out to be a really good-looking game. Oh, I appreciate that, and we, and we appreciate your support. All right. Thank you very much for coming and talking with me a bit. Welcome. No problem. And now back in the studio, I wanted to give my thoughts on the game. Philip and Samantha were kind enough to let me take a demo of the game and play through most of a one game in solo mode, so I was playing with only one investigator. Like they explained, there are multiple investigators in the game. The game actually comes with ten different investigators, and if you're playing solo, you have the opportunity to play as just one. The game does balance, according to that, similar to how the game would be balanced in Sentinels of the Multiverse, because there's an icon, the IC, which is the investigator count, a very clear green icon when most of the other text is in white. The ICI icon is a uh, bright green, so it pretty well stands out as being something different. And that's supposed to denote how much the investigator count is. But I wanted to give my thoughts on the game here after playing through a demo round. First of all, I think that the game really nails the art with re- with relationship to the Cthulhu genre. The art that they've used, and a lot of the art is reproduced only in small form, on the Kickstarter, but they do have a couple examples on the Kickstarter page. And I think that uh, I was looking at some of the smaller versions of the art that they have available in a a wider display in the page. And it wasn't really striking me as so great, but really when you get to sit down and look at the cards, it's this penciled art design that you can really uh, evoke that you can really um, glean from the example cards that are there. But I think that some of the other cards are really striking. I know that they mentioned the Fire Vampire was one that they mentioned, but I think also the Firebomb is another one that they mentioned, and the Necronomicon. And the the art really brings to the style of a Cthulhu game. It really is very much involved in the theme. In playing through the game, though, I didn't really see much that was super innovative about this game. Even though it it's a very good entry into the deck building class of games, I didn't see much that was really very innovative. They chose to use just one version of currency in this game. So 
cards that give you currency will always give you moxie. There aren't some cards that could be used to give you two buying power or three fighting power. They always just give you moxie. So there's not that differentiation that you commonly see in many other deck builders where a card could be used for multiple things. All of these cards here are used for just the what they're printed on the card, and then there's just the one currency going through it. That did help streamline the game to a certain degree, especially the way they arranged the turn order, because in turn order, you first get to play any cards sort of before the active phase as part of preparation that you want. But any cards in preparation can't affect the actual monsters. So you can't use those cards to deal damage to the monsters. You can only use those cards for buying cards and preparing and getting ready. And then you do the damage, and then they get to damage you first, and then you get to damage them. So even though there are there is just the one version of the currency, just the one version of the moxie, I didn't really see that as being such an issue or really detracting from gameplay. If anything, it just helped streamline everything and make it very clear about what it is that you're doing. And the fact that they arranged turn order to be in these two distinct phases still makes the decision of how you want to spend your moxie and how you want to do your buying power much more difficult. I know for me, for example, I tended to, to, to buy out every single spell I could. So I know by later on in the game, my deck almost became a grab bag of cards. Uh, another thing, unlike I've seen with many other deck building games, you actually start finding ways in many other deck building games, you'll start finding ways that allow you to cull your deck that allow you to shrink your deck down to size in this one. There's not really that. So any spell you buy other than location cards is going to stick with you and keep coming up in your whole game. Now, fortunately I didn't really experience any of the spells that weren't handy when I wanted to use them especially because one of the one of the characters the one that I was playing gives you a bonus to moxie whenever your uh whenever you play an equipment card so he was very useful for me to continue buying cards because I would continue to buy equipment or I'd be able to continue getting it but it did mean as I started going through I started having a big deck now that's not a problem because as I said you do like to have all of those cards and there's not so much an engine that you start building through here. The cards don't really interact great with each other. It's not like you'll be able to find a combo, or at least not that I saw it. And it could be, I mean, I only had one gameplay, but I didn't really see that there's an engine that you start building through here. So it's not like you'll want to be invested in culling your deck down to size so that you can continue to hit the same cards repeatedly because they tie in towards whatever pattern is that you're doing. You may want to be hitting some of the more expensive cards more often. That's a distinct possibility. But even the less expensive cards I saw still had value in your deck and they were still useful. Now then, there was a wide variety of the different things that the cards did. This game comes with a, a ton of cards. According to what the Kickstarter display currently says, there are 447 cards currently available. And I know that they do have intentions of releasing more cards on Kickstarter. So, but for example, there's uh, 65 unique library cards and 38 unique mythos cards. Those are really quite unique. They all did different things. Some of them would require you to sacrifice uh, sacrifice health or sanity or a direct trade or as much as you want or would power up other cards. It would be direct destruction. So each of them is, is unique. 
none of them were outstanding in a brand new way of playing a game like this. When you get down to, you know, brass tacks, the game is about being able to find ways to deal damage and survive and strike back at the bad guys and make your way through. There's no set deck for the minions, for example. When you have a minion, he will do something repeatedly. So, for example, one of the minions continues to summon a specific guy, or one of the minions continues to do damage in a specific way, or one of the minions continues to reduce your card pool or destroy your library. So each of the min, each of the, excuse me, not the minions, each of the elder gods had a slightly different feel, but it's not as different a feel, for example, as playing a different enemy in something like Sentinels of the Multiverse, where they each come with their own deck. Here, it's all based upon the general idea, the one effect that they do, plus whatever comes up from the mythos. So that can be a little unpredictable, but it means that you're not going to have anything come stale, and it doesn't require having all those different decks. It means that it's really just based upon whatever comes out of the mythos deck. Now then, that could be very interesting and very challenging, and I know that there's a lot of different things that come out of the Mythos deck. For example, for me, when I was playing through the game, I thought I had a way of, in one fell swoop, just being able to, fell swoop, being able to just strike through and destroy everyone on the board um, with whatever card it is that I use. I can't recall what the name of the card is right now. But it allowed me to take a bunch of damage in order to do twice that to all the bad guys. And I was about to use it, and then the Mythos deck popped up with a card that uh, made me discard the last card in my hand, which was that one I had been saving it. So I did remain engaged for most of the gameplay. It was definitely a tense battle between me and them. I didn't wash over them and they were doing enough different interesting things to keep me engaged and keep me active and keep me involved. I enjoyed playing through it. I would definitely say that this is a very strong entry into the deck building genre. Not particularly innovative, although I do think that if you're interested in the Cthulhu theme, the Cthulhu mythos, the art and the mechanics of the game, the balance between every player having sanity and health to be able to track um, and balancing out how spells will often interact with those, continue to really evoke the Cthulhu theme. And the gameplay is very strong. The gameplay is very good. It's not innovative, but it's a very good gameplay and a very strong entry into the deck building genre. So I definitely say if you're the kind of person who likes a Cthulhu game and you're the kind of person who likes a good deck building game, I'd say that this is definitely something that you should be looking into. Uh, once again, my thanks just to Samantha and Philip for uh, coming out to talk with me and letting me demo the game. All right. So today's game, um, you may have been a little bit tricked by the introduction. You wouldn't have if it was a video podcast. I was drinking a very small can of soda in that intro. And we're not talking about the big Agricola. We're talking about a very small Agricola. This is Agricola, all creatures, big and small. Um, right. At some point, we are going to talk about Agricola. But let's start with this baby brother. This game came out more recently. Well, it came out in 2012, and I believe Agricola came out around 2007 or so. Um, so this is a much smaller game. It's designed for two players. It is also designed by Uwe Rosenberg, same as Agricola. But this one is a lot simpler than the big game. 
it, it plays a lot faster and it, it doesn't have official solo rules in like Agricola, but there is a solitaire variant on BGG. There's a couple of them, I think, that, that are fun. They're, they're, they're beat your own high score kind of games, but they're fun. And honestly, I haven't even gone back to look at my scores anytime I've played. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about this game without trying to compare it to the original Agricola, but we will try and do that nonetheless. This it's a Why small, can't you compare it to the original Agricola? Because we haven't talked about it at all. I mean, and well, you're right. We can. We'll have to compare it to the Agricola without talking about it too much. We're, we're gonna have to. Yes, yes, we're gonna have to do this for you people. Um, so this game, it's a small game. <laughs> <For> you people, <laughs> it's a it's part of the Spiel for Zoe or Spiel for Two game or Game for Two line, the Cosmos two player games. I believe it's part of the Cosmos line, but I'm not sure about that. But it's is it? It may be. It may or may not be, and I don't know. I don't know if Cosmos published it. The U.S. version is by Z-Man Games. It is a two-player game, right? And it comes in the same small box size as games like uh, Lost Cities or Patchwork. Patchwork. Patchwork also. I didn't know that. I. F- well, I think it's in the same size box as Patchwork. Jumbo, Babel, tons of other games. Same same size ish box as Patchwork. I'm pretty sure. Is it, okay. Aquatiri. <laughs> I don't know that one, but let, oh, that's a fun two-player game. Is it okay? In, in, Let's try it. I have to check it out. In this one, though, you you um, what this game about is is farming, um, or I guess ranching because you're raising animals. It doesn't have farming like the other Agricola does, really. But in this game, you're basically you you own a, a farm and, and some property and some land, and in it's it's a worker placement game. Each turn, you're going to take actions with your workers and build up your farm and buy some animals or get animals somehow and and raise them. Um, just go poof out of midair. Poof, yep. They just show up magically. It is, um, what am I going to say? It's. Let me tell you what comes in the game. Each player is going to get a board that's basically two by three uh, board of squares in which you're going to place your, your farm pieces and stuff. Your, the tiles that you get are the animals and the fences. And then there's these smaller boards that you could buy as add-ons. It brings a bunch of animal meeples, little shaped meeples. You get little horses, sheep, pigs, and cows. Um, this was something that was more interesting to me in comparison to the original Agricola. And I'll start with it. In the original versions of Agricola, all of the animals were just cubes. And I remember when Agricola All Creatures Big and Small got released, and it got released with shaped meeples. Unfair. <laughs> <laughs> it was unfair, but it is. It does make the game fun, though. You know, honestly, they're they're kind of hard to handle sometimes. The, oh, really? A- animals are hard to handle in general, but um, oh, the animals you, or the meeples, the the animal, the When you animals in general, but animeeples are also hard to handle because you're fitting them in these little tiny spaces, and they tend to fall over sometimes and run amok. Yeah. This should have a little sheepdog. There's also some discs for the building materials: wood, stone, and reeds. It brings a bunch of fences. These are little sticks that you're going to put on your board to block off the different squares. Um, it brings little buildings, which are, I believe, feeding troughs. And in Agricola, there's something similar, which are barns. It brings some scoring pads, and then a bunch of tiles, which are buildings. Um, it's about eight tiles. Oh, and it's also discs for each player. It's a two-player game, and unlike Agricola, this game, you're going to have exactly two workers for the whole game. In, in, in the full Agricola, you start with two but they could have babies, and then you could have more workers. Um, this game is a short game. It is, it's, I believe, nine rounds exactly. 
the the way the game works, you're gonna start. You can have your board eight in rounds. front of you. Eight rounds. Is, okay, that's right. Eight rounds. You can you're gonna set your board in front of you, and the board has one building on it to begin. And there, oh, there's also a board in the middle where all the actions are at. Um, where you take your actions. Each turn, you're going to take one of your workers, players will alternate doing this, and put it on one of the spaces on the central board, the action board, and whatever space you put it on, that's the action you could take. There's different types of actions. Um, There's actions where you could collect resources, like collect wood, collect stone. There's actions where you could build fences. Um, There's collecting reeds. There's actions to create buildings, and there's actions to to get the animals. And that's a very general overview. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of all the actions. Um, I would say that each turn, for some of the things you do, those spaces, you put resources on it. For example, the, 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 the wood spaces, there's two of them. One of them, you put one piece of wood, and the other one, you put three pieces of wood. If nobody during that turn, that round, takes one of those, the next round... You're going to add more to it. So if nobody took the three wood, next round you add three more, there's now six, which makes those spaces much more tempting. Um, Unless somebody clears them out early. Yeah, and once things start filling up, they start going away. One of the wood spaces, the the one that only gives you one piece of wood, also gives you the start player token. If you take that, starting the next round, you get to be the start player, and you get to choose first. Um in the multiplayer game, that that's a critical option. In the solitaire variant, it doesn't matter. You always go first. Excuse me. But it does make it interesting because you choose to go for one wood instead of three. Actually, that may not be true. In the, in the solitaire variant, you don't always go first. The You start first, but the AI, I think if he takes that space, he may end up going before you. I'll have to double-check the rules. Anyway, so the, the way the game works, you know, it's over eight rounds. On each round, you can... I said take turns placing the workers. Place a worker. Uh, take whatever action that space gave you. Your opponent places a worker. Then you place your second worker, take the actions, and then your opponent does the third. Um, after you have done that, there's a, a cleanup phase. If you have animals, if you have at least two of each of the animal type, of any of the animal types, if you have two sheep or two pigs or two cows, you will get one more. Um, so you, they'll, they'll grow and have babies that way. Once that has happened... The, you clean up for the next round, you go ahead and set up extra resources on the board, uh, and you keep playing until the game ends. That, that's basically the way the game works. Um, a lot of the game is collecting resources to do things like build the fences and, and buy buildings, and then you could store your animals in the fenced areas. Um, there's buildings in this game. Like I said, it brings, uh, I think, about four basic building tiles... And a few um, stall animal stalls, where if you flip them over, they're stables. When you buy, what's the difference between a stall and a stable? So the buildings can hold some of the buildings can hold animals. The stables hold more animals than the stalls, and they're also more expensive to build. Um, if you wanted to build a stall, you have to pay three stone and a reed, and that gives you a stall. It's, the stall is a square tile. You'll take it and put it on, on your board on one of the empty spaces. Um, that space is now taken, but also every single building in this game has four walls, which act as fences. Um, you're going to want fences in the game to, to go around the different uh, areas of the board, the different spaces, so you can keep your animals in the fenced areas. 
you can't keep animals in your loose areas. They just wander away. Probably end up in your player opponent's board or something. Um, so, so you can have the different buildings. Those are the four basic building the the stalls and I'm sorry, not the four basic buildings, but the stalls and stables. There are the four other buildings. Let me tell you what they are real quick. This this will give you a flavor of what it's like. There's a shelter. The shelter, when you build it, it's going to cost you two, two wood and one stone. It's not going to give you any victory points, but you immediately get one animal of your choice, and you can store one animal in this space. Um, there's a half-timbered house. Actually, you place this over your existing house. It costs three wood, two stone, and a reed, and it gives you five victory points at the end of the game. Plus, you could store two animals on there. The house that's printed on the board already lets you store just one. So, so all these different places give you different abilities. There's a, what is it, a storage building. That one will give you, at the end of the game, half a victory point for every two resources you haven't used. Um, the wood, stone, and reed. So, so they all affect the game a little bit differently. And what you take will affect, might affect your strategy for what type of animals or how many animals you take and that sort of thing. One of the other important things in the game is there's a space that on, on every round you'll put a fence on it, a, an unused fence. If you take that space, you'll get all the fences that are have built on there plus one of the expansion boards that gives you three more spaces for your farm. Now, the game's going to go until there's no more fences to put on there because the game brings eight extra fences for that. You also start with eight with nine fences in your in your pool of available building materials. Each player will have nine, and as an action... If you run out of fences, you can't get any more? You can't get... You, you have your nine, plus there's the eight that are used as the um, the game length indicator. You, there's one per round. So you could buy... You could take an action to get some more fences later on. In theory, the most a person could ever have would be uh, 17, assuming the opponent never took any extras. But that, that would actually be pretty hard to do, probably. And you may not use them all, because your spaces aren't that big. Um... One of the actions is you could place a fence, or, or fences. One of them lets you place one fence per wood that you spent. Another one lets you put two fences out at no cost. And if you want to put more, each fence piece you put out is two stone. The way you do use the fences is you place them on the board around the spaces, basically block them off. Imagine like, um, have you ever seen puzzles that are matchstick puzzles? You're trying to make shapes out of the matchstick? Sure. Similar to that. Sure. Um. You don't have to put all four around a single space. You may, for example, want to put one fenced area that's two or three spaces big. So you'll use a different number of, of fences for that. Plus, also, don't forget, the buildings act as fence spaces, so they they could block one side. So if you put a building on top of a space, now you only have to worry about the other three sides if you want to put a fence around it. Um, Once you have a fenced area, you could store animals in there. Each fenced area could hold... Two animals in each space. Another thing you could... So if you have a fenced area that's three spaces big, you could hold six animals in there, two per space. If you... One of the other actions is you could buy a, a trough, a feeding trough. If you put a feeding trough in a space, in the fenced area, that doubles how many animals that fenced area could store. So now you went from two per space to four per space. If you ended up putting another trough in the fenced area, it'll double it again. So you could end up having a lot of space for, for some animals. Excuse me. So that's, that's a general overview of all the different things. In this game, you're going to end up basically taking turns, trying to uh, 
get your resources so you can buy your buildings or lay your fences and then collect animals. The the hard thing about this game is that it's just like the other Agricola and like so many of the other worker placement games is you don't have enough turns for all the things you really want to do or you don't have enough workers. You really want to do a lot more than you can. And it always becomes a tough choice trying to decide the correct thing to do. Um, now, the the game out of the box doesn't have any real randomness because each turn you're placing the same things out. All the same buildings are available. So the randomness comes in in playing with your opponent's there are two expansions for this game. One of them is unfortunately unavailable right now. Um, Z-Man Games doesn't have any current plans to reprint it. I suspect they will. But each of the expansion adds, I think, probably another 20 or so buildings, maybe a little more than that. And of those 20, you will pick four at random to play with. So then each game ends up being different because you don't know which four buildings you have. And whatever is available will affect how you play the game. So this is a two-player game. There is a solitaire variant in which, and I've seen a couple in BGG, if you check the forums, but the, there's a good one generally that's based on um, what spaces are available, the AI takes different actions. And there's four rules to follow, and there's a nice little player aid available that, that's a, basically a picture of the board. It says, you know, if the first rules are available, take that. And, and I believe it's also depending on what you did. Um, and How easy is it to follow that chart? It's really easy. It's a, real, it's a simple flowchart. It's super easy to follow. You might want to refer to the, the instructions the first couple of times, but by by the time you finish the second round, you've got it down. Um, and it plays super fast. I think you could finish the game in maybe 15 minutes. And, and, and it's fun. There's a lot of thinking. I've really enjoyed this. Um, the variant is a beat-your-own-high-score variant. I know some people don't like it. Honestly, every time I've played it, I haven't even paid attention to my score. Um Probably in part because it's really bad. <laughs> I have not scored well at all. So it's not enough to care about. I've scored, I think, in the 20s and 30s. And apparently, a decent scores are closer to 50s. Um, so so that's Agricola, All Creatures Begin Small. Really, there isn't a whole lot to that. It's, it's a fun little light game um, with opportunity for a lot of thinking. On the one-player guild, it has been popular. And there has been a challenge for it before. Maybe there'll be another one again. So it'll be something to look for. Um, and we'll post one right now. Ooh, look at that. No, not me. <laughs> no, not me. I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that that's the game. Um, you know, uh, we should talk about Agricola at some point. Uh, you probably want to know what's the differences between two games if you're not familiar with Agricola. Um, you know, one thing I didn't even mention is how the scoring works. And I probably should cover that at some point. The biggest difference is... Well, so that's how you win the game. Mm-hmm. And since it's how you win the game. It is how you win the game. I guess that kind of matters. But like I said, I don't actually check my score, so it doesn't, doesn't matter too much. You're going to get scores based on how many animals you have. And this is similar in, in Agricola. Agricola has a lot more but, than this, but if for each of the four animal types, if you have zero to three animals, you'll actually lose points. You have to have a few of each of the animal types. If you have... And then based on the type of animal, the amount varies because some are easier to get than others. So for sheep, for example, if you have at least eight sheep up to 10, you'll get one point. So there's an area between that. Anywhere from four to seven, you don't get or lose any points. Um, as you go up in number of sheep you have up, up you'll get more and more points. Um, and the same for all the other animals. It's a sliding scale. So you, you really want to have a lot of all the animal types as much as possible in those limited number of turns. You'll also get one point per animal that you have. You get points for the different buildings. They all have different points uh, based on the building. Some will be zero points. Um, 
the house, as I mentioned, was five points. The other building, the shelter, the half, what was it called? Are those points the, printed on the tiles? They're printed on the tiles, so it's really easy to score. As you go to the end of the game, you just go to each tile and you add up the points on it. Some some may make you count stuff. Like, for example, that storage building, you count how many resources you have and you get half a point for a resource. The other building, the the, the house, just has a five on it and a little coin-looking icon. So it's really easy to tell. So what do you mean you don't check your score? You don't tell if you won or not at the end of the game? I've totaled it, but I never really go back and compare against my other plays. So if I'm getting better or worse, I don't know. Honestly, I just have fun going through the, the process of playing the game. And my, my score in the end doesn't matter to me much. So you don't see if you even won? I, I'm losing. Based on what I read, my score was low. I saw, from what I saw on the One Player Guild, the forum, there's a challenge. So yeah, there's a, there's a scoring and and mine was just slow and it just didn't feel like I was winning. But you know, it didn't matter to me. The um, there is an app that I use on my phone for scoring. Anathema, absolute anathema. Hmm. Absolute anathema. Who's anathema? I said that's an anathema. What, I don't remember what that means. That's not a word of anathema. It's not a thema. Anathema, something or someone that one vehemently dislikes. Oh, you dislike, uh, you dislike Playing without, ha- without knowing if you won or not. I really? mean, I can understand if you're saying, I can understand if you're saying, I know I lost, but I, if you don't act, I mean, you know, you no, you just don't. I do know I lost. I, I'm not worried about how badly I lost. I don't feel like I'm scoring enough to, to feel like I'm winning and therefore I don't care. Do you know that? Have you ever checked your score? <laughs> I, I remember reading on the forums and the people were scoring closer to the 50s. And I've been up in the 20s or 30s, so... Okay. Yeah. And when I've played two-player, I, usually I've lost. So I just know I'm not really good at the game. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to be good. And you don't want to keep... You don't want to try and track your score and beat your own high score? You know, I, I keep... When I play, I'll, I'll record my score in BGG. But I haven't tracked it. I haven't gone back to see how I did. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. With me, like I, I, I think I've said before that I keep the um, little knitting counters in mm-hmm. games that are track your own high score. And whatever my current high score is, is whatever the knitting counter is set to. And if I ever beat it, so I get to advance the knitting counter to the new high score. And I just keep that in the game. And then I always have a goal for what my high score is to beat. You know, after you told me that, I did go and buy some knitting counters trying to use it for the Lord of the Rings card game instead of the the, the little wheel that it brings to keep track of your... Oh, I forgot what the points are called, but there's points that you keep track of during the game, and if you reach 50, the game ends. And I have one on my desk that I haven't been using. I didn't know what to do with it, so maybe I will just go ahead and drop it into my Agricola All Creatures Begin Small Box right now. Wait, what is that? Is that an actual knitting counter? Yeah, it's a little knitting about? counter. Here it is. There you go. And so now, the next time I play it, I will record my score. There you go. And then I shall tell you. will hear back. Yes, definitely. Did I win or lose? So so the scoring here is really simple. You know, your choices are really simple. There's, uh, I think, about 16 actions you could choose from each turn, um, which is a fair bit. It's actually probably more than even Agricola, at least in the first few turns. Um, do you find that you have to use the score sheet to track the points or can you do it yourself? 
I could probably do it in my head. I don't bother. I just get the app and do it. The app is fast. Okay. I like the app well. Um, but it, it, you know, and it's such a fast game too. I, I have used a score sheet a few times. That's not hard. But then I got to go back in the rulebook and check some of the scoring because I don't always remember all of it. I let the app remember that for me. You know, again, since I don't really care about my score, I don't worry about remembering how the scoring works. Maybe that's why I keep losing. <gasps> I don't know how scoring works. <laughs> I think I just had a eureka moment there. <laughs> that could be. That, that could be. So, so what's different here in this game? It, it is a lot simpler. In the big agricola, not only can you have animals, but you could uh, sow and plow the fields, and and grow different crops. There's different occupations you could take. That there's occupation cards and. There's um, things, other things you could build, which I guess is similar to the buildings here. And, and there's just a lot more choices and variety in that game. Right? There's more choices in that game. Yeah, definitely. So what what are the advantages this game has over that one? It is so much faster. You could play this in 15, 20 minutes easily. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's really fast. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's only eight rounds. How and you only have to work as... playing an actual two-player? It's still you could play that two player in half an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, not a problem. Definitely half hour game. What does the box say? Yeah, the box agrees with me. It's a thirty minute game, and that's what I've played at when I played thirty in two player. Like I'm at the game store, and we want to play something quick because it's almost closing. I'll bring that out. And is there a good amount of decisions involved in it? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially as you get later into the game, it starts to get tighter. And, you know, if, if you're keeping a decent track of the scores and what you think you need to win, you don't necessarily know exactly how much you need because the scoring is complex enough with all the animals and all that. But, you know, the last few turns, you're really taking your actions, trying to figure out which will give you the most points. So, so there's a lot of thinking there. You know, well, I could build this building and, and then I'll be able to have more sheep. If I also take the sheep action, then that's probably like another seven points. Or, or maybe instead of doing that, I'll buy some reeds and then have fences. So I could fence up the area and I'll get more points from having extra spaces built up already. And, and so, so, you know, you end up doing that a lot and thinking about it. And how smart is the AI? The the it, solo It's pretty simple. Thing. And it, it's simple and it's predictable. But you do find... I mean, is it, does it play stupid decisions or, or not? Yes, it, it, it follows a very straightforward path. And it'll take its actions across the board following a, a direction uh, of um, like a, a specific flow. So you could predict what it'll do. Um, it's not scoring. You're not playing against him to see you know who did better or anything like that. It's just taking actions. So it's basically tying up actions you may want to take. And for example, really common action is to take a wood or stone. You, you need resources to do just about anything else. Um, so those are the most common actions it'll also take. And and so you can't just take uh, leave the the wood there for later. Say no, don't worry. You know, a couple of turns I'll be able to take nine wood because I'm not taking the three for the next few rounds. If you do that, it's likely that's going to be gone because the AI will have taken it. So so, so you, if you can. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, so you really have to plan ahead and, and plan about what you're going to do because you know you you can't just leave things there forever. It it will go away. Some of the things. So if you could have just Agricola or the or mini Agricola, Agricola all creatures big and small, which would you prefer? I like Agricola a lot. More. I prefer Agricola. 
I do yeah. like it. I it's harder to get it out because it does take longer. But as a solitaire game, you could play that in maybe forty five minutes once you got in the hang of it. So it's actually not that not that uh, slow either. Mm-hmm. But I found the problem with Agricola is as you start getting expansions, there's a lot of expansions for the big Agricola, and um, it, it becomes harder to keep track of all of that, and it takes longer to get things out and set them up if you start keeping expansions in there. Well, I believe that there's some expansions also for mini Agricola. Yeah, the, there's two expansions, but those are just more buildings. And so when you use them, you just lay out, from your expansion, you just lay out four buildings at random. So instead of having four to buy from, now you have eight. And if you have both expansions, now you have 12 to pick from. Okay. And so it gives you more choices of, of what path you want to take to, to victory. And do you feel like you need the, do you have the expansions? I do. Though, you know, one of them ended, it was, ended up being a little bit expensive because it's unavailable now. Um, one is available, one isn't. Having the expansions gives you more fun. It, it adds more variability to the game because out of the box, like I said, it's not random. Um, okay. You need the expansions to get randomness. And you want that randomness when you're playing. I do. I like it. Which one's not available? The first one. There's The first expansion is called More Creatures, Big and Small, and the second is called Even More, more Creatures. More Buildings, Big and Small. Your Buildings, yes. And so I have the... I, I ended up getting both. Um, okay. I think at some point they'll reprint it. I don't know. I think if people keep asking for them and emailing them and asking, are you guys going to reprint this? They will. So, you know, you know, send them an email and tell them you'd like it. You know, if they know they're going to make money off it, they're happy to make it. Takes a lot of emails. Yeah, I'm Tell sure. them the What Player Podcast sent you. Yeah, they, yeah let them know that. <laughs> so so that's Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small. And at some point, we'll talk about the bigger Agricola. And that could be a few shows because, I mean, it's a big game with a lot to it. And there's lots of expansions. Some are very simple expansions and some are more complex. But that could be talked about for a while. And then we'll do a compare and contrast essay. Coming, up, coming soon to a one-player podcast near you. You just wait for it, guys. Yeah, you you wait for that, people. <laughs> All right, do we have anything else for today? Because I guess I'm done. Well, we could do our new segment. Oh, yes. let's do. We have a new segment, don't we? Let's do that. What could we add to it? What does it need? What does it need? What what does the one player What does it need? Podcast need. It needs more entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a new idea for a new segment, and I picked up the idea for this from um our friends over at the Plaid Hat podcast actually, but we're we're putting a, a unique twist to it. The idea we've done is we're actually pulling up a random word generator, and I'm going to be generating two words. And this is going to be a sort of mini competition between Albert and me. And we're going to be having two words come up. Albert's going to get the first one that comes up, and I'm going to be getting the second. And we'll probably alternate or figure out who goes first based upon whoever wins. Um, but the idea of this is, is we're going to be trying to both argue for which one of these would be a better addition to whichever game it is that we just reviewed. So, for example, just at random, 
I pulled up brakes and soap. Now then we'll, we'll do this again in a second. So it's, so it's brand new for us. But for example, I pulled up brakes and soap. So Albert would have to be arguing how brakes or something similar to brakes, however he wants to take that would make Agricola, all creatures big and small better. And he's going to have 30 seconds, <laughs> to have 30 seconds to argue that. Okay. And then after that, I will get 30 seconds to argue why breaks is not so good and soap is good. And I'll get to respond to it and make my own argument and I'll get 30 seconds. And then after that, he'll get 15 seconds to make a rebuttal. And then after that, we're going to be posting up this to the one player guild. We're going to be making a, uh, a thread for this and we're going to be putting up a poll and you guys get to vote who you think did better. And that's going to, that's going to be who's going to win. And that's going to be, who's going to get to go first next time or get to pick if they want to go first next time. And then we're going to take the winner and suggest it to Uwe Rosenberg. So he could put it in the game on the next expansion. (laughs) I don't think so, but maybe (laughs) sure. Why not? We'll we'll see. (laughs) Sure. Why not? All right. Okay. So I'm going to grab them. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're going to do the the two random ones. You ready? Okay. Yours is sanity. Mine is flower pot. Sanity or flower pots? Has the timer started ticking already? The timer's not started ticking. You ready? No, but go ahead. (laughs) Go. So this game needs sanity. I mean, the problem with this game is that you're farming animals and... And you're just getting animals out of nowhere. And, you know, if you're a farmer and you're getting magic animals appearing from nowhere, obviously what this place, this thing needs is a new building that's an asylum to give you sanity. And this would be great because the asylum would be a place where you could have your workers go to, to to get extra random workers that take a random action for you. And we'll add that unpredictability this game needed, right? I told you the game is not random out of the box. Stop. I was just getting going. Oh, you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you get. That was 30 seconds. That's it. That was awful. (laughs) That was awful. I liked it. All right. So now then you're going to get to time me. Okay. Then you get how much time? 30 seconds also? 30 seconds also. Then you get a 15 second rebuttal. I think this is the time that they have. I'll have to go look up and see. We may switch the time up next time because I really want to try and match what they did because I think they work pretty well. But I can't remember what it was right this second. So I'll have to pull that back up. But for today, it's 30, 30, then 15. And that's how we're doing it for today. So as soon as you're ready, I'm going to be doing Flower Pot. Okay. Okay. Start. All right. So in in this game, you're very restricted the amount of space that you have. And really, you want to start growing things. And the whole point of the game is about being able to grow. And even though here you're only trying to grow animals, being able to add just a little bit of agriculture in here would be the element needs. And so what it needs is a flower pot. It doesn't take up too much space, just a little bit of space for a little bitty game, but it still allows you to get that idea of being able to grow. And you don't even have to be limited to just flower pots. You can grow a reed. <laughs> a reed. <laughs> there you go. That, that word reed has to be cut from here. That was after the 30 second limit. no all right you know i don't know how to do rebuttals um he's wrong (laughs) that that's all i have to say he's wrong (laughs) all right ready set go i really don't know how to do a rebuttal but i I mean i think he's wrong i think i'm gonna say again the game needs randomness 
it's got plenty of building and uh, getting um, plants and stuff. What we need is more randomness, so we need an asylum with a random Stop. worker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was the Greek law. All creatures big and small. Sanity versus flower pot. Who won? That's right. So so we'll have a thread on the guild, and, and you vote, and you tell us. <laughs> That's tough. Feel free to chime in with any more comments. I'm also yeah. going to be posting up if you want to uh, donate some random words or random ideas of your own. Uh, we're going to be posting up a form, and it's going to be done through uh, Google Docs. And you can post up your own random words. If we get enough submissions, we'll pull random words out of there. Otherwise, we'll use a random word generator again. Mm-hmm. Now it'd be good, you know. I could get, we could give dice out to whoever gets picked their word. Sure. If we pick, if we use your word, and we'll keep track of it, we will send you a die. Excellent. This sounds fun. I, I look forward to more of this. <laughs> and vote flower pot. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, whichever one of us wins the most by the end of the year, we'll do something. I'm not sure yeah. what. <laughs> the listeners will get to buy us a new game. Here we go. There you go. <laughs> Good luck. Awesome. All right. The end. Okay. Do we have anything else or is that it until next time? I think that's it. That's our silliness for the day. All righty. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. That's so terrible. You have to say Agricola. <sighs> we'll put it together. Yeah. We'll fix it on post. Hey, you know, fix if it on post. If it's horrible, that's great. That's fine too. <laughs> You're right. Because <laughs> it's kind of standard for our podcast. That's right. That's that's it's absolutely horrible humor. That's what people like. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I'm sorry, am I on air? <laughs> yeah, it's going to the ad takes. I expect that'll just be entirely cut. Nobody will ever hear you. No, I know. In space, nobody hears you scream. In the vacuum of the podcast. That was Kickstarter, though. And that was Kickstarter. And that was Kickstarter.